Come on, give it to the Lord. He's worthy. Come on, really praise him. He's worthy. Hallelujah. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Excited about what the Lord is going to do here today. Amen. I believe God is going to do some amazing things. How many of you believe the Lord's going to do something in this house tonight? Amen. If he don't do it, nothing's going to happen. We're dependent on him. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I want to say a couple of things that I feel is important. <clears throat> At least it's important to me. I want to uh, first say that I thought this was a good idea when I was first asked, but at this moment I'm questioning my sanity, but uh, I am here, and I will do my very best to obey the Lord. I do feel like the Lord has given me something that I trust will help us all. Amen. How many of you need the Lord's help in your life? Amen. Um, tell you a little bit about me because I'm somewhat of a new person to most of you. Um, I um, haven't always been um, a common figure in this group, this fellowship. But eight years ago, uh, Brother Timothy Bourne invited me to go to Tulsa uh, to what was the first summit I guess, I don't know if it was called Summit then, but it was the first meeting. And uh, uh, something happened in me that had never happened before. Um, I all of a sudden felt drawn to be a part of uh, an organized group of men, and I, I had never had that before. Um, at this point, I was in my 40s. I'd pastored a long time. I had evangelized a long time. I was uh, pastoring a church that had been in existence over 80 years, and myself or the church had never been affiliated with any group, any, any uh, official fellowship group. But what I seen and felt in that uh, first summit uh, triggered something in me and a hunger and desire to be a part of something bigger than I was. And uh, I've seen men like uh, Bishop Wilson, uh, Brother Johnny go there, Brother Kenny go there, Brother Odom, Brother Booker, all these men that were there in the uh, early stages. I don't mean to leave anyone out. But in that, those early stages, I had heard of those men. They were legends, and, and I wanted to um, be close to them and hear what they had to say and let them impart into my heart and my life. And it took me a little while. Uh, to convince myself to go ahead and join. But about four or five years ago, I don't know exactly when, I, uh, I joined the WPF, and uh, it has been a uh, growing experience. It's been an experience where I've learned so much, and uh, I found out that I didn't know very much about a lot of things. And uh, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And I probably come to this, um, this whole process from a different viewpoint than most people. Um, most of you come from an organized fellowship, from 
one direction or another, but that's never been my roots. It never was my place. But <clears throat> I, I see the WPF as a, an important factor in the times that we're living in. And I want to be a part of it. Um, to me, just can, can I say this from, from an outsider's viewpoint looking in? And this may be a different view than most people have. But it's, it's like a transport vehicle. And we have a responsibility to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And the most efficient vehicle that we can use to get it there is what we need to do. And um, it's, I'm, honestly, it's been, it's been a, a process for me to be a part of uh, this process of seeing the vehicle adjusted and changed and reformatted. And I, I, don't, I don't understand all those processes, but I do know that we've, we've got to get it better and we've got to do more if we're going to do what God has called us to do. We can't ever get stuck with an old paradigm. Thank you, Brother Erskine, wherever you are in the building today. That really touched my heart today. And I, I, I am here, and I'm happy to be here, and I will be with this fellowship. Uh, we, can, we can adjust on that vehicle as much as you elders feel like we need to adjust on it. But one thing I'm not willing to adjust on is what we're trying to deliver to a lost and dying world. That's non-negotiable. Our cargo is too precious. It means too much. Amen. And I'm committed to the truth. How about you? Holiness, separation from the world, righteous living, the Acts 2.38 message, the gospel. Let me just go ahead and qualify myself up front so I don't have to do it later. Amen. I believe it. Amen. I'm committed to it. And uh, I, I am 100% convinced that uh, the men who are sitting behind me and to my right and across this, this building today, uh, you're also committed to that same thing. Acts chapter 1 is where I would like to direct your attention tonight. Um, I want to give honor to my pastor, Dr. Nathaniel Wilson, Brother Wilson. Uh, God has connected our lives after the death of my father and my, my pastor. Uh, Brother Wilson has been, he and Sister Wilson have been so special to us. And I can never thank you folks enough for taking Frankie and I in. We appreciate it. Amen. I am happy to have... Uh, my wife with me today. Uh, Friday, we celebrated 35 years. Love her. Amen. My mom, some more of my extended family. I actually see a few families from the church scattered around here. Rook made the trip all the way up here from Laurel. Oh, others have said they're listening in on Holy Ghost Radio. So, anyway... Uh, we're going to do our very best to preach what the Lord has laid on our heart. Amen. Verse number one.
of Acts chapter 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Everybody say his passion. By many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that fact? Aren't you happy about that provision? Can we all pray together? Lord, let the glory of the Lord rest in this sanctuary right now. I'm your humble servant. These are your people. They deserve far better than I could possibly give. They're the apple of your eye. I ask you to bridge the gap between my inabilities and what they need. You're able to destroy the yoke of all of my insufficiencies. God, feed your people from your hand. Let them go forth from this place anointed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you will help me just for a little while, you may be seated. I will um, try not to uh, keep you too long. I, I told Brother Godair, Brother Kenny Godair, I said that quartet could have sung. They were wanting to sing two or three more, I think. They could have sang more as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to uh, be uh, too long here tonight. But I do want to share what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to say uh, to every one of you that have uh, sent me text and called me and various ways that you've communicated with me, that you're praying for me, and, and that you felt like the Lord's going to put his hand on me. I hope you don't quit praying now. hope you don't sit down on me and fold your hands. I hope you'll continue to pray with me and help me because I do uh, feel the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us here just for a little while. How many of you really want to help me preach? This is the opening night. Let's set the tone. Let's get it going right. Let's have a great time in the Holy Ghost. How about it? Amen. Amen. You know, when you talk about passion, there is, there is so many things that uh, can be said about passion. But we want to talk about it as it relates to Jesus Christ. We're not talking about the uncontrollable desires of the flesh. But we are talking about a willingness and a commitment to a, a divine design. We know that whenever he came, he came for a purpose. How many of you know what the purpose was that he came for? He came to save a lost and dying world. He came for that primary purpose. We know there were many other things that transpired and, ha and happened during the course of his ministry. But we know that the ultimate end was designed for the reconciliation of mankind that had fallen in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. And I have, I have uh, thought about this. I preached some, some of this to our local church here just a, a little while ago. And, and in preaching it, I just felt like the Holy Ghost said, you need to share it with them whenever you get to uh, Gatlinburg or to Pigeon Forge. And, and uh, maybe it'll help somebody else. I'm just a country preacher. And I'm, just, I'm not going to try to be anything that I'm not. 
I'm just going to preach the burden of my heart and hopefully you'll see it, you'll grasp it, and it'll benefit you in, in some way. Somebody told me here a while back, they said, you know, uh, you know Pentecost has lost its passion. And uh, I, I thought about that for a little bit and, and I started to agree with them. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that people have not lost their passion, but they probably just misappropriated it and they placed it in the wrong things. They probably directed it in the wrong directions. They have begun to invest in things that's really not that important. And uh, I, I heard a message preached here by my friend, Brother James Townley, last year. And uh, it shook my world whenever he began to preach about the opportunities in the end time. Anybody else remember the message that he preached? And it, it sent me home with a different mindset. I've always considered myself uh, a revivalist, someone that was interested in the kingdom of God. But then it dawned on me, if I'm going to do something for God, I need to be doing it in the here and the now. Brother Wilson made a statement uh, some years ago. He said, opportunity don't have uh, hair on the back of its head. You better get it while it's coming because if it gets past you, you're not going to have any chance to catch up with it. And I realized that my... my uh, my, my life is slipping away. And it seemed like a few days ago, I was the youngest preacher sitting around uh, the, in the conference and listening to the, to the elders uh, uh, dispense their wisdom. And, and, and I, I, I looked around at a recent meeting, and I was, I believe it was at Ignite, and I was sitting with men that are great men, that are leaders in our fellowship. And I looked around, I began to assess their age, and I realized that I am not as young as I used to be. And I thought, God, if I'm going to do anything for the kingdom, I better be doing it right here and I better be doing it right now. There needs to be a passion born in me. There needs to be a recognition of the passion of Christ in me. I need to be excited and passionate about the things that he is excited and passionate about. Can I tell you, he's not as excited and passionate about some of the things that we're excited and passionate about. I don't mean to clash with you. I don't mean to cross swords with you. But Jesus Christ did not go to Calvary, shed his blood and die for a fellowship group or for an organization or any man-made uh, uh, entity, but I'm telling you what he did. He died for the church, uh, and we're part of that church. Uh, and as long as we fulfill his passion, uh, he will put his blessings, uh, and he will put his glory, and he will put his anointing on the worldwide Pentecostal fellowship. Amen. I, uh, I, I begin to think even clearer. I, my father passed away. Uh, a short time ago, it seems, just yesterday, and my mother and I, and I don't mean to uh, make this difficult for you, Mom, uh, or my siblings that are here, but we were uh, walking through, my mother and I was walking through the cemetery where my father is buried, and uh, he was buried in the cemetery where their, their rules are, you have to have uh, a light headstone. The headstones are all flat. I'm assuming so they can mow over them and not uh, not have to be bothered by upright uh, grave markers. And there's many different variations of style and, and trim and, and uh, what they're made of. And uh, my mother and I had a catalog course, but we wanted to go look and see for ourselves. And we began to uh, walk through uh, the cemetery. 
and we were looking at the various different styles. And uh, I came to a marker, and I looked at it, and there was a man's name, and there was the year that he was born, and there was the year that he died. And moved on to the next grave marker, and we were looking at its style. And then something caught me, and I remember, I don't know if Mother remembers this or not, but I turned, and I went back. There was something that caught me, Brother Booker, about that grave marker. I went back and I stopped and I looked at the design and it was much like all of the rest of them. I looked, was it a different style of, of, uh, uh, of the way they had the name inscribed? No, it was just pretty normal. It was, it was just pretty average. And then it struck me, Bishop Godair, that there was no epitaph. I figured it out. The man had lived a little over 70 years and he left n nothing for his family to even write on his tombstone. Oh, it shook me. And I walked out of that cemetery already with grief in my own heart about the passing of my father. And I, I, it haunted me for days and still in quiet moments. It comes back to me, Brother Archer. If, if I die today, what will they say about Jerry Rowley? Will they know that I even died? Will it make any difference? Will I have lived and died and not made any impact in my world? That's why I'm so interested in Hope Corps. That's why I'm so interested in AST. That's why I'm so interested in, in, in missions, both global and local. I'm telling you, we need to be doing something for the kingdom of God, and we need to be doing it right here, and we need to be doing it right now. We don't have time to wait. It needs to happen now. It needs to happen right now. Sometimes we feel like our workload is, is a little bit heavy and a little bit stressful. And we feel like we're doing a little bit too much. But I'm going to tell you something. There was a whole lot of, of living and a whole lot of anointing and a whole lot of power. And a whole lot of world changing that went into three and a half years uh, of the passion of Jesus Christ. Uh, what can we pack into our world? What can we do in our times? Uh, what good is it going to do if we live and we die and we've made no impact on our life? Uh, I'm going to challenge you. I know this is not necessarily going to be real popular at this moment in time. Uh, but something needs to be ignited in us. Uh, there is a world out there that's going to hell. And the only hope... Uh, that they have is in the church. I was one of the old guys sitting at, at peak. What an incredible meeting we had at peak this year. Thank God for this youth committee doing an incredible job. It's peak's been better every year, every year. And I know it's going to get better next year. And I'll be, they'll have to get me on a cane to walk in there because I like to go and be a pirate and feel the excitement that is coursing through the hearts and the souls and the spirits uh, of the young people. Let me challenge you pastors. Uh, I've been to three uh, ITWs this year and, I've, and, and I'm, I'm seeing in our young people, there, there's not a, a, a lacking in them. We need leadership to step up and set direction uh, and, and tell them what they they need to be passionate about. I believe we've got a group of young people that's ready to go somewhere. We just need somebody to lead them. 
We don't have to bend and bow to everything uh, that's coming down the pipe so that we can keep our young people. Our young people are passionate about things that make a difference. Uh, Somebody just needs to set up uh, and say, let's go this direction. Uh, This is the right way. Uh, And there are hundreds of young people in this building tonight uh, that says, let's go. Just somebody leave. The world don't understand. They're trying to go the opposite way. And, and, and a lot of, of the Pentecostal fellowship is, is going in other directions, trying to uh, keep their young people, but they're going about it all wrong. Uh, I'm telling you, young people are wired for passion. Uh, they, are, they are hungry for things uh, that they can be committed to. Uh, we don't need to try to turn them into the world. Uh, we don't need to try to emulate what the world is. Uh, if we're going to change our world, uh, we got to be different than our world. Uh, if we're going to affect our world it's going to come through the passion that Jesus Christ had our passion becomes our identity our passion becomes our identity some people you know them they're 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 known for their passion whatever they're passionate about it comes out now, and I'm going to say a few things here today, and I'm not necessarily preaching against those things. But you take a person that that is a, a good fisherman, and uh, they fish all the time. Where's Brother Spell? I was trying to look for him, and then I was trying to point him out. Where's Brother Tim Spell? He was up here. He did. He, is he fishing already? He's probably gone fishing. Oh, there he is. Stand up, at me. Stand back, Tim. Me and him's caught a lot of fish in Lake Ruby. Y'all all, y'all all tag on these little Instagram posts. Is that the same fish? It's not the same fish. He throws them all back and catches them again. <laughs> they all got the sore mouth, though. I guarantee you that. <laughs> but Tim Spell is the, the epitome of a fisherman. Everywhere he goes, he takes his rod and reel, I guess. Or I don't know how he does it, but he figures out some way. If you're passionate about something, you'll figure out how to do it. You get known for your passion. You take men that love hunting. You take men that love horseback riding. You take men that love all these things. And in the world, there's men who love ball playing. They like their basketball players and their football players. And, and you see them and you say, man, that guy's got it. He's, he's a, he's a, he, now that's a real ball player right there. I can tell he is because, you know why? Because he's passionate about it. Uh, when you get around him, he talks about it. He knows what's going on about it. It is time for the church to become passionate about what Jesus Christ was passionate about. Our conversations needs to be filled with it. Our actions need to be filled with it. Uh, where we go, what we do, where we spend our money thank you brother Steve Buxton for pointing those things out to us I'm telling you, there are people all over this city and all over this region that are spending hundreds of dollars per night uh, to appease their flesh, uh, to feel their passion. Uh, and there are people uh, that are in this same area right here, right now, that are lost. Uh, that's never heard one message of the gospel. Uh, and there's that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a crime. I mean, I I wanted to make that sound easier, but it's wrong for people to be living in America in 2015 and there not be a voice uh, in their life that says uh, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. We need to preach the Acts 238 message everywhere we go. We got to become passionate about it. 
Our problem is, is we, we, are, we are too consumed with ourselves. We are so wrapped up in appeasing our flesh and taking care of ourselves. And we, we want to do what it is that we do. And we get caught up in, in things that we've always done. And, and uh, you know, somebody said that's a definition of insanity. If we just, we, we expect a different result from doing the same old thing. And I, I just don't understand how that works. It's, it's, it's not going to work that way. Brother Urshan, whenever you preached it at peak, and I started to talk about it a while ago, and I I got sidetracked a little bit, but you preach that message. It's time to go to the other side. You know, it's time for us to look to areas that we've never looked at before. It's time to see where the feet are beating out the paths instead of just pouring sidewalks and expecting them to walk on our sidewalks. It's time to find them wherever they are and whatever they're doing and ever how they're doing it. We are to go into the highways and the byways and the hedges and to compel them. Somebody needs to become passionate about what Jesus was passionate about. I'm, I'm going to confess here today. I've been in the ministry a long time, almost 30 years. Brother Godair, Kenny Godair was being very kind to me. He didn't tell you. He talked about all that time that I spent evangelizing, passion, all that stuff. Well, I'll be 52 in November. And so I've been in the ministry almost 32 years. And in these 32 years, I am sad to tell you that I haven't accomplished nearly what I want to accomplish yet. The reason why I'm awake at night is because I realize I have wasted so many years of my life. I have wasted so many church services. I've been to church and look around and see empty pews and decide, you know what? It's not going to happen tonight. Let's just get through it. Let's say, man, go home, live to fight another day. That attitude has got to die. If it don't die in the pulpit, it's never going to change in the pew. Come on, preachers. I need you to support me right here, right now. If our attitude don't change, the people in our pew's attitude's not going to change. If we don't become passionate about it, our people are not going to be passionate about it. We can't tell them to get involved in outreach uh, whenever we're fishing or golfing. We can't tell them to teach home Bible studies uh, whenever we're not teaching home Bible studies. Uh, We can't tell them to go into a lost and dying world uh, whenever we're not going to a lost and dying world. We can't expect them to turn their wallets inside out uh, when we're not turning our wallets inside out. always touch a nerve whenever you start talking about finances I believe it's the will of God that we are blessed above and beyond anything than anybody else in the world I I mean I've been labeled a a prosperity preacher that's all right I believe that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and down in Mississippi we say all the taters under it Amen. We believe that. We believe that if you'll be responsible with what God has blessed you with, uh, that he'll give you more. Thank you, Brother Buxton, again. He, he, he set that up here earlier. The more you give to the kingdom, the more you'll get. Do you believe that? I'm convinced that we really don't believe that because if we did, we wouldn't have to get up here and pull and beg and plead and try to get you to come on. 
Somebody said, well, I don't have a lot to give. Folks have got a lot more to give than I have. I understand that. But you're not trying to impress me. You're not trying to impress the men on this platform. You're trying to impress God. You need to show God your passion. And God don't count the way men count. You might make a big splash by making a $5,000 donation. Uh, but whenever I looked at the scripture and I see where they were giving, uh, Jesus was standing and looking over their, reset, their giving to the kingdom. They were impressed. The disciples were impressed by the great offerings that were being dropped in. But there came a little woman, a little pitiful lady in my mind's eye. I can see her trudging down through there, embarrassed to even approach this great and mighty place. And she comes down and she's, she's, she's just embarrassed. But she drops her little mites into the, into the coffer and turns and tries to hide on her way out. But can I tell you, Jesus said, hey! Look, you see that girl that just gone out of here? You see that woman? You see her? She's given more than all of these. All of a sudden, the disciples pull their smartphones out and their calculators out. And they begin to calculate what is the value of a couple of mites. And they were coming up lacking because they were counting what was in the coffer. And what Jesus was counting was what was walking out the door. God's not impressed with what you leave. He's impressed with what you take home. If two mites is your all, then it is, it is a sign of passion. And Jesus loves a cheerful giver. And God will bless a cheerful giver. I'll tell you why Disney is... One and two is because people love to live in a fantasy world. They love to live where things are animated and, and, and they're in a world that it's not really real. But I'm going to tell you, whenever you get down to the passion of Christ, you understand that there is some suffering that goes along with it. Uh, there is some sacrifice that goes along with it. Uh, and we don't, like to, we don't like to talk about sacrifice. Uh, and we don't like to talk about giving till, it, till it's sacrificial. We don't like to talk about impositioning our flesh uh, on any level. But I'm telling you, it is time if this church uh, and if this fellowship is going to be the world-changing entity that God has ordained it to be, uh, it's going to take more than just setting on the sidelines and wishing because if wishes were horses beggars would ride somebody's got to step up and reach your hand into your pocket come on shout now show me your passion now don't tell me you love God Brother Erskine, the next time you take up a home missionary offering and I don't give, I'm giving you my 100% permission. You call me back again and again and again. Email me, text me until I send it because I've been blessed. And if I want the blessing to stay, I need to give to home missionaries. We're, we're, we're stuck with this identity crisis. We don't know who we want to be or what we want to be. Our passions are conflicting. We, we, we say we really love God and we really love the church and we really love the truth and we really want to change our world and we really want to be difference makers, but yet and still when it comes down to doing it, we start having a problem. 
And I know we all, you're here, and I, I might be preaching to the choir. But let me tell you something. If you're here tonight, I'm glad that you came to Summit. I'm glad you came to Summit. And I'm glad you spent whatever, thousands, hundreds of dollars to get here. This is, I'm not trying to run the crowd off. But I, what's really going to change our world is if you go home to your cities and you go home to your communities and you go home to your churches and you invest yourselves in those local churches. Don't come to conference and play the part of somebody that's really committed whenever all you're coming for is just to come and enjoy the fellowship and see to who you can see and, 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 and have the fun of being in Gatlinburg. I, I, I understand all that. And I, nobody likes to have fun any more than I like to have fun. And nobody likes fellowship any more than I like to have fellowship. But at some point in our lives, we've got to come to the reality that we are living at the very end of the end time. We are running out of time. I'm not trying. No, yes, I am. I am trying to be an alarmist. Almost said I wasn't wanting to be an alarm, but I am trying my best to sound an alarm. It is time that somebody wakes up and realizes that whatever. I am, and I don't, I don't, I rarely ever call a name in a pulpit, but you'd have to be living under. A rock with a blanket thrown over it to not know the name Kim Davis. I'm 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 overwhelmed by her commitment to her faith, what she believes. I'm I'm in a hundred percent support. Somebody told me they released her today. Thank God. But, but if you think for a minute that we are always going to win the judicial battles, you're wrong. That was a shot across the bow. There is an incoming. It hasn't got here yet, but it's going to hit the target. Our hope is not in the judicial system. Our hope is not in the governmental process. Hold on, I know where I'm at. I know exactly where I'm at and I know where we all are. But our hope is not in the conservative political bodies. Some of you give as much credibility to Rush Limbaugh as you do to the Apostle Paul. You need to unplug Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) 
You're going to let him fill your mind with all kind of preconceived ideas and notions. And then you're going to go out into your community and you're going to try to reach your world. You're going to try to change their lives with his mentality. You're wrong. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but the answer, the answer is not in these groups. I don't care if they're liberal. I don't care if they're conservative. I don't care what group. I don't care if it's the Republicans, the Democrats. I don't care if it's Trump or Hillary. They're all in trouble. They're all in, 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 in a bad situation because the word of God has already said that the end is coming and it's going to be real soon. And whatever we're going to do and whatever the parts of the world we're going to effect. It's going to be affected in meetings like we're having right here tonight. It's not going to happen in the political process. It's not going to happen in the judicial process. Get you a sign. Go march down the street. But that's not going to change that person's world. You go get you a Bible under your arm. Get you a Bible study under your arm. Walk into somebody's house and teach that person the truth of God's word. You may not change the world, but you change that person's world. That's the passion of Christ. I'm not here, I, I'm, I'm not here to, not here to cross, I, I guess it's my first time to, to preach on this national stage with this group, this fellowship. I'm not trying to alienate everybody right off the bat, uh, but I'm telling you, church, it's time that we wake up uh, to the realities of what really is going on in our world and in our life. Uh, if you think you can depend uh, on all the things that man is creating uh, and all the things man is doing uh, to change your world and to save your church and to fix your problems, uh, you're in trouble, honey, because uh, this world is going down. It's not coming up. Somebody said you're a doomsday preacher. No, I'm just telling you what reality is. The only hope that this world has is in the apostolic church, not just a church, not just a building with a steeple on top. The only hope our world has is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church needs to be doing what the church is designed to do. We need to be doing what we're destined to do. We need to be what God has called us to be. And that's not political operatives. We're not going to change our world by all of the things that man have come up with. You can't improve on what Jesus Christ modeled for us. Now here, here, here's where we are. We're all at conference and you're gonna hear increasingly great preaching. You be in these day services, you be in these night services, you're gonna hear some of the best preaching you'll ever hear. I'm just, I'm just kind of kicking the door open for you a little bit. But here we go. If you can understand this, you've got to take what you get here and you've got to go home and do something with it. 
Man, we're not spending the tens of thousands of dollars that we're spending, Brother Keller, so people can come here and slap each other on the back and give each other high fives and go home in life, continue the same way that it's always been. It's time that somebody goes home and buys an old bus or buys an old van. Brother Godair's been modeling it for us for years. He's still running 30, over 400 on, on Sundays coming to his church. What are we doing? We're sitting around and we're thinking about doing it. One day we're going to get there. Someday. That's just on his buses. 400 people coming on the buses is what I'm saying. Huh? I, I, I just, I can't. And, and I know some of you are not on social media, but I can't get enough of what Tony Spell posts. Somebody said, What's, are you, I'm not jealous about it. I shout every time I read about it. I'll tell you what I'm doing. Is, am I telling it right? I'm buying these old buses. I'm, whenever he moves out of them, gets a new one, I buy his old bus. If you want them, get in line. But right now, I got dibs on the next ones that's coming up. Because we got people in Long Mississippi that's come to face with reality. And they said, if we're going to change our world, we got to go somewhere different than we've been. We got to reach the people that we haven't been reaching for. The sidewalks are reaching, are leading us to the wrong place. What we built is not taking us where the people are. I'm, I'm ill-prepared tonight. Uh, somebody said I should have shown some pictures, and I didn't have what they needed to, to show the pictures, but I, I've got pictures in, in, in my uh, phone, and uh, I showed somebody a picture the other day, and I said, is this little girl, is she from a third-world country, or is she from the United States? And almost to a man, every one of them said, oh, she's probably, you just were in Honduras, she's probably from Roatan. She's probably from that poor country. The facts are, she is less than 10 minutes from my church. Let me tell you how it is in the real world. In the real world, it shouldn't be this way in America because we have all kinds of social systems. But people have figured out how to get around the social systems. Anybody know what EBT is? We used to call them food stamps. You know, they have these EBT cards, so nobody's embarrassed. They get a card, they can go and they can swipe their card, and, and it looks like just any other debit card or credit card. And, 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 and they, they load them up with hundreds of dollars, and they give it to them. And I, I'm not here to argue that point, but I'm telling you, this is what they do. And, and you men that are involved, you know what I'm talking about. They'll take that EBT card that's loaded with four, five, six, seven hundred dollars $700, and they'll go sell it to somebody for two or $300. Pardon me for a second. If you're one of those people buying them, shame on you. I got a good deal on an EBT card. No, you didn't. You just sealed some kid's fate for that month. I'm sorry, but I'm a little bit passionate about that. They go and they sell their EBT cards at a very discounted rate. They go buy drugs and alcohol and involve themselves in immoral activities and the kids are still hungry. Yeah. 
in America. There are kids that are hungry all over this city. Your city. I don't live in a metropolitan area. I live in a town of about 30,000 people. My entire county has 69,000 people in it. Some of you have more in a square mile than we have in our entire county. And I'm telling you, I'm finding them one after the other. I'm sorry, you bear with me. I'm not crying because I'm nervous or sad. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with the burden. If we're going to have the burden of Jesus Christ. He said the burden, it goes like this. He said, suffer little children to come unto me. Passion and suffering are the same. You got to have passion for them. I know who we want. We want the doctor. We want the lawyer. We want the business owner. We want those people. But let me tell you how it happens. Uh, you reach out to them whenever they're eight, they're nine, they're ten year old, and nobody else cares, uh, and nobody else wants them. And, and As we want instant gratification, Brother Strang. Huh? We want to we find that guy that can walk in and pay a few hundred dollars a week tithes right now. We're not worried about building the kingdom for the long term. We're not building for our future. We're not building for eternity. We want something here. We want something now. But I'm going to tell you what you do. You start reaching out to those children because the disciples had a problem. That society had a problem. If you study it historically, that society had a problem. Kids were pretty much outcasts in that society. And they didn't want them around Jesus. The disciples are trying to beat them back, Brother Williams. But he said, let them come. Let them come. What are these kids going to do for us? Where's Joseph of Arimathea? We need him. We, we need somebody with an alabaster box. We need somebody that's got something. Jesus said, let them come. You let these children come to me right now. Don't you stop kids from coming to me. Because... sorry for preaching my passion tonight. This is the only thing that I know how to preach. We want everything to be just so neat and tidy, but it's messy in the middle. That's where the, that's where the magic happens though. Pardon that terminology, but that's where it happens. Whenever you start pushing back darkness and you start fighting hell, things get revealed in the light of day, Brother King. We started doing it, Brother Urshan, and things started coming out of nowhere. 
People I thought were solid and sound and good. I'm seeing marriages right now while I'm preaching this in this pulpit tonight. I hope they're listening on Holy Ghost Radio. But there are couples in our church that's been married for years that are fighting to save their marriage. Somebody said, well, back up. Just, Just take a step back. That's not in my vocabulary. I don't understand backup. Not when it comes to the kingdom of God. I'm not so bullheaded that my way has got to be that way or it's a highway. You'll find out that I'm willing to submit to authority. And whatever needs to be done, I'm willing to do it. These men haven't asked me for one thing that I haven't been willing to do. You can stand, you can be seated. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to curb your passion. But I don't know how long I've been going. Have I got a few more minutes? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what time it was. I started it where it is now. But I'm just like everybody else. I want to win those people that are influential in my community. I want to be recognized. I want somebody to know who I am. I, 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 I'm sorry that I'm human, but, you know, everybody wants recognition. Every, everybody wants somebody to know who they are when they step into a place of business. You, you want to be recognized. We like to be known for having our act together. We like to be known for having every, it all put together. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes real apostolic revival, ain't, it ain't all just put together. I called a man and... I don't know if he's in this room for sure or not. He might be. But I called a man in this room and I said, and I was crying to him a little bit. And I said, this is happening. And I don't know why it's happening. I'm trying harder than I've ever tried before. It looks like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. I expected him to say, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Let's cry together. That ain't what he said. He said, it sounds like revival to me. That sounds like revival to me. I don't remember who it was. Somebody came up to me today. I guess they've been following me on social media. They said, what kind of program are you using in your bus ministry to have so much success so quick? The only thing that I can tell you is that somewhere in the heart of that little group of people down in South Mississippi, passion. was ignited. You men have the opportunity to correct me. Let me finish my message before you do. But I had a little lady been in church about just six, seven months. I don't know how long the exact time. Came home from row 10, ITWA. Is there any ITWA group in the house? Stand up if you're row 10, ITWA. Stand up. Stand up. Well, good Lord, where you at? There's a bunch of you here. We had a, we had a blast. I loved you. You were a great group. And 
I, I made a little slide presentation to go home, and I just wanted, you know, I'm, 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 I felt guilty for being gone so much. I'm, 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 I go more than I probably ought to. And, uh, and so I came home, and I said, I want to show you what we've been doing. It's not just vacation. You know, here, here's what's going on. And, and I put together, I don't know, 20, 30 slides, put it up on the screen, and uh, we showed, and, and we turned the lights out so you could see real well, and and uh, we're, we're showing it, and I'm kind of narrating it as we go through it. And uh, uh, by the time the, the, about the 15th slide rolls by, Brother Williams, I'm crying, and what I can see in dim light, they're crying. This is where it started. Who, I don't remember who you was, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I'm trying to get you on the bus. Get you a bus, okay? Whatever. I don't remember who it was. Honestly, I don't. But I said, there's, there's a little woman sitting there. She's crying. And she came up to us, and she's from the world. And you, you folks in big cities may think you've got all the hard cases, but I'm telling you, there's nothing more twisted than a, <laughs> uh, there's no twist like a redneck twist. It's, it, it's twisted all on the same tree trunk. <laughs> you think about that and you'll figure it out after a while. And people, they see what all you folks do in big cities and it gets teleported into them and they all look at it and they try to emulate it and it's crazy. And, uh, but she, she's, a, she's an RN. She came and uh, her and her husband and, and children and uh, got the Holy Ghost and started making their way in. And I, I don't have it figured out yet. I can't, I haven't been able to get them all the way where they need to be, straight out of the altar. And that's where y'all can help me. I need help in that area. I, I mean, it's taken me a while to get them to where they need to be. I'm working on it. promise you that. And so my wife and I was driving down the road, and she called me. She called my wife, actually. She said, Sister Riley, I... I seen what Pastor showed the other day, and I may not have the story exactly right, but it's pretty close to this. She said, do you care if I take my own money? We're talking about passion here. People are sometimes willing to do something if you'll fund it. If a person's got real passion, they don't ask. They just do it. I don't have to buy Brother Spell's hooks. I don't have to buy his tackle I don't have to buy his bait I don't have to put gas in his boat because he's a passionate fisherman he drives two hours two and a half hours to do what he enjoys she said I'm willing to spend my money she said I've got a burden I want to go to a part of town and she told my wife the part of town I'm like oh we're, we're, we're in deep south Mississippi. You, you, and that's not just the wrong part of town. That's the, the wrong, wrong part of town. The church I pastored was established in the 20s. This year. Not proud of this. Not proud of this. But this is some of the 
old paradigms that we're trying to throw off. Some people are talking about it, but there's some of us that's doing it. This year, I baptized the first black man in the history of that church. You think hell's mad? Yeah. And a few rednecks. That's all right. There's a little stubborn streak in me that says we're not backing up. We're not quitting. And I'm about the shortest guy in my church. Uh, and I got a bunch. You know what my church done when we buried it? In the name of Jesus, uh, they shouted, they danced, they talk in tongues. Uh, they run the aisles. Nobody quit. Nobody stopped. They just needed somebody to say, let's go there. The problem is preachers don't have enough guts to stand up and preach against prejudice. The people, the church is the most segregated place in our world. Our kids go to school with them. We all work with them. We go to restaurants with them. We are in the entire world with them, everywhere they are, wherever they go. Doesn't matter what ethnic group they are. And there's prejudice on all sides of everything. But let me tell you something. Whenever we get to church, it doesn't matter. It's this group against that group and that group against this group. And we all want to segregate out. That's not the will of God. He came, he died, he bled for all. I know this may sound foreign coming out of a Mississippian's mouth, but it's the gospel and I'm going to preach it. It's so anyhow. It's time. I said it's time for us to reach our entire community, our entire world. It's not about affirmative action. It's not about trying to put up some kind of false front. It's about reaching everybody everywhere, whoever we come to, wherever they are, whatever condition, the passion of Jesus Christ says, let them come, whomsoever will, let them come. Somebody, do you have the passion of Jesus Christ in you? I pray that the WPF becomes known uh, as the group, uh, and, and, and I'm with you guys, uh, but I pray that we become known as the group uh, that don't put anybody out uh, according to uh, where their social standing is uh, or their ethnicity is uh, or wherever they are. It is time that we open our doors. It's time that we open our pulpits. It's time that we open our committees. Don't tell me that you love everybody. I am intent that I'm not going to die and leave them nothing to say on my tombstone. When I die, they're going to be able to say, there lies a man who gave his heart, his soul, his mind, his energy, his money. Bible said if we seek to save our life we're going to lose it some of us are trying to find our soul some more we're trying to save ourselves we want to 
We want to do this. We're going to get somebody that's going to help us do this way. You got to start when they're little babies. You got to start when they're kids. Uh, I, I was listening to Nathaniel Urshan. You might not have thought I was listening. Uh, you was a lot younger than me. You still are a lot younger than me. But I sat at that table with you at Ignite Conference years ago. At one of those first Ignite Conferences. Uh, and you told me story after story. How the people in Fort Myers and Brother brother uh, Williams is carrying that. And it's awesome. I love to see what you're doing. I love to see what. But I love all of you. Come on. Put it up there. Let me know. Because every time. You put a praise report uh, out there. I shout about it a little bit. I'm excited about it a little bit. I want to know more. Show me more. Because God is of no respect to persons. Uh, if he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. I don't care if you're in California and I'm in Mississippi. He told the story about the unsuspecting meter reader. Who came to read the meter at the church and he looked out the window and seen the lady and she was walking up there with a little handheld device to read the meter and there was one of those first generation Pentecostals that was weed eating and he said uh oh she better look out she don't realize what she's in for and sure enough in just a minute she laid her little device down she had her hands in the air he had her hand, his head on her head she's singing the Holy Ghost We got to act together too much for that to happen. We're protecting our territory. Can't nobody do that in my church. Let me tell you something. uh, If somebody needs God and they need the Holy Ghost uh, and you got it, lay hands on them, pray them through the Holy Ghost. What are we afraid of? We need to be passionate about what he's passionate about. We don't have time to get it all straight. The crop is dying in the field while we're polishing the hubcaps on our truck. I'm sorry, man. Don't get angry with me and upset at me. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm willing. I'll submit to whatever you tell me. But I'm telling you, we cannot get so worked up and stirred up about preserving this vehicle. This is a vehicle that was designed to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. I don't care if we've got this and we don't have that. If we've got this functionary or no functionary, I've got the gospel. This is a way to me to collaborate. Let's go. Do what we got to do. Let's don't get hung up on the details. We're going to miss our opportunity. We've got an opportunity like never before. I don't know if Brother Townley is in here, but we've got end time opportunities uh, like never before. And if the WPF is going to be effective, uh, it's time that we lay all that stuff aside and go for broke. Go put all in and let's affect our world. Let's do what we can do wherever we can do it with whomever we can. We don't want that cross. We don't want that cross because if we take up our cross and follow him, Brother Booker, it goes to a place of dying. It goes to a place of death. He went to Gethsemane and he died 
I'm going to tell you something. Our flesh has got to die. This is never going to work. As long as we're worried about preserving our little piece of the pie. And as long as we got our little things all protected and kept. Uh, and all neat and tidy, it's never going to matter. But somewhere in the heart of somebody in here tonight, if I could get one other missionary, if I could get one other home missionary, if I could get one other pastor somewhere, a pastor's wife, uh, or a person somewhere in here to get ignited with passion. I'm not looking for a position. I'm not looking for somebody to put my name in the marquee lights. I feel inadequate to be where I'm at right now. But I don't feel like the message that I've got is the wrong message. I feel like what I'm saying tonight is what needs to be heard here now. Not because I'm saying it. What's the value of a soul? Just one. I'll tell you how God looks at it, Brother Joel Buxton. I'll tell you what he does. The Bible said all of heaven. And I know we shout about it. But it really don't sink down into our spirit of what he's really saying, Brother Young. All of heaven. Do you understand what you're saying when you say that? All of heaven rejoices over We're not going to turn the United States government around. We're not going to turn the judicial system around. We're not going to save our whole city. But there's one little undernourished kid. There's one little hurting kid. There's one little widowed lady. There's one mother that's been abandoned. There's one drug addict. There's one drunk somewhere. Not everybody is choosing to be there. We're so calloused. And I know I have them all the time. They come through my world and I invest in them, Brother Buxton. And I'm like, oh, God, it's a waste of time. It never works. I give to them and I help them. And every time they do, they kick me in the chin. They run. They make me look stupid because I gave to them. I ask my church to help them and we help them. And then they just go right back to doing it. But I'm telling you, there's one. There's one. There's one. And whenever that one, I'm going to tell you what the heaven does. He says, strike up the band, boys. It's time to have a party. Because there was one little kid down there on that Sunday school bus that heard the story of Jesus. They repented of their sins. We baptized them in Jesus' name. They come up out of the water, speaking in other tongues. Somebody shout now. Somebody be excited now. You see this man standing right here? This big guy standing right here? You said if I preached about you, you wouldn't. I've known him a long time. 
He'd see me in town. He'd introduce me to people. He'd say, this is my preacher. This is my preacher. I looked at him one day. I looked up at him. Had a big old cowboy hat on. I said, let me tell you something. I'm tired of being your preacher. I want to be your pastor. He smiled. He said, one day, one day, where's this Cindy at? Come out here and get with your husband. I don't know how not to make this personal. I'm sorry. Y'all see her. She's a godly. She's, a, she's, our, she's our little Texican. I call her our Texican. She's sweet and makes great tacos and we have had so much fun over the years. He he was okay. He, I mean, he'd done good. He 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 thought he was going to be a country music man. He he thought he was that was his destiny. But I told him, I said, God's got bigger things than a guitar and a hat. What happens? If you take Nashville by storm, what if you become the next Garth Brooks? Do you want to lose your kids? Do you want to lose your marriage? Do you want to lose your world? Don't, don't get upset at me, but they didn't, they didn't have much to offer. He, she, they wasn't even married. Just typical people in our world today, and I'm not trying to embarrass y'all. But I remember, I'll never forget that Sunday morning. They come walking in the church. <laughs> Sister Cindy was put together like only a little Hispanic lady can put, be put together. I'm talking about she was strutting her stuff right down central. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what has this man brought in the church house? You could see little old ladies with little white buns recoiling. They just, oh my God. But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't just a service or two. Nobody else didn't want to fool with them. They didn't want to mess with their life. Didn't want to try to help them work through all those details. All those hours spent on that swing. Huh? I have got permanent slat marks on my back from sitting in that swing. And that ain't much of an exaggeration. Talking him down off the ledge. Come on, you can do it. Quit. Don't worry about that. You can make it. Got him going. Got him started. Got it going. Just let me tell you, what nobody else wanted to fool with, not nobody else wanted to care about, what nobody else tried, nobody wanted to be a part of it. He'd done a financial statement at the beginning of the year. I think it was somewhere around $8 million. Go ahead and pass them if you want to. But if you'll reach out to them and give them a little while, God will take somebody else's trash and he'll make them the kingdom's treasure. Just pass.
passing by. Keep on walking by them. Keep on turning your righteous nose up in the air and walk past people whose life is in a mess. Walk past people's life that's in shambles and they don't know which way is up. They're living in a world that's dictated by the passions of this world. Somebody needs to step in and rip back the cover of reality and let them see there's a better way. There's a way out. God's got a higher plan. God's got a higher calling. One after one, there's success stories. And we could open it up and all these pastors could tell us more and more and more. But this little lady, I'm getting back to it and I'm, I'm going to try my best to quit. If y'all come to the music, give them, y'all are already here. Okay. There's hope up there. It might be a little bit getting to you, but it's a minute. Y'all going to tell stories tonight? Let, let me add this to that story. Let me tell a story right here. The story was a little woman came. She told my wife, said, I'll buy the lunch meat. I'll buy the bread. And I told my wife, I said, this, the kids are not going to eat sandwiches. They're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. I'm living in my grandkids' world. Your kids are like my kids. Don't, don't start getting holier than thou on me. My kids won't eat it unless it's where they want it from on that particular day. Take them to McDonald's, they want Burger King. Take them to Burger King, they want Wendy's. What do we do? We go where they want, we get them what they want. You know it, don't act like you don't. I said, those kids are not going to eat that. I mean, they're going to make a turkey and, a, and, and, a, and bread, and they're going to they're gonna take these kids, and these kids are going to eat it. They're not going to eat that. There's nobody in our city that wants it like that. I mean, it's just... 100 sack lunches at the end of the day. This woman been in church just months. She recruited help. You know who they came from? The Salvation Army. <laughs> they wouldn't have passed the, the pulpit platform standards that was passing out sack lunches. I'm not saying it's, then they wasn't on the platform. They were giving out sack lunches, dreadlocks, short pants on. They didn't ask my approval. They just went and done it. I had one little lady with the Holy Ghost in that bunch. She said, tomorrow there will be a bus here at 9 o'clock. We'll pick you up. You'll be right here. They told me, said, can we take the bus? Well, we had a bus. It was a nice bus. It's not a school bus. I mean, it was a nice bus. You, reclining seats and all that stuff and air conditions and I think it even had some TVs or something in it. I don't know. It was a, one of them fancy buses. They don't work, though. You know what I'm saying? They just in there for looks. I mean, not looks. They were just in there. We didn't turn them on. I don't, we did while I was in there. Give me a second to finish. You know what? I said, yeah, take it. That's fine. It didn't make it through the first trip. Seats broke. <laughs> it was a mess. It's messy in the middle. You know what? I don't care if I get home next Sunday and all the seats are broke. If I can still see, and if I, I got pictures, 
I'll show them to you. If I can still see those little faces up against the window as it's driving out the church parking lot. You know what they're telling us? Don't take us home. Let us stay. When are you coming back? Can we come back tonight? What difference does that make? You tell me what difference it makes. Because Jesus said, suffer. Suffer them to come to me. You're going to go through a little bit of problems to get them to me. But I like the way Mark said it. Read the end of that story. The Bible said that he put his hands on. He put his hands on. I'm going to tell you that's all the difference in the world. You get them there. You get them there. And just let God put his hands on them. I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they came from. You may have to hold your nose a little bit because they hadn't had anybody to even care enough about them to give them a bath in a few days. But God don't care. He's going to just put his hands on them. If he could just get to them and put his hands on them, I'm going to tell you what it'll do. It'll change their world. The Supreme Court's not going to change their world. The Democratic Party's not going to change their world. And this may shake you up, but the Republican Party's not going to do it either. But the church can. Hold on, hold on. I'll be qualified that. Did you hear what I said? The church can. My question, and I want to hear an answer for, will the church do it? Roll up that Sunday morning. Those kids tore. They got pictures of it. They've done little videos with the king. Those kids are tearing in there eating those plain turkey sandwiches. It wasn't the finest. They were eating cookies that looked like Oreos. They wasn't Oreos. They were just the Dollar General brand, whatever. They were eating them and happy to get them. Wanting more. You bring cookies to our Sunday school. I'm talking about our church kids. It better be Oreos or they don't want them. But those your bus kids will eat them. How many vans you running? How many buses? All total vehicles. Nine vans, one bus. You want to see? You want to see a revival? Go to Union City, Tennessee. They're not being able to give back. But I'm going to tell you what's happening there. Tell you what's happening in Fort Myers. I'll tell you what. I don't want to. It's, it's been happening in Durham for years. It's been happening. It's, it's been happening. I don't want to trust that. I'm just talking there's a few of us that's kind of starting to pull together. And we're starting to see this thing. We're starting to get a hold of this thing together. I don't, I don't want to make enemies by leaving you out. I don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have time to qualify all that stuff. Every Sunday, every Sunday, they went back. And every Sunday, the crowds got bigger. I called and said, Tony, I don't mean no disrespect. Tony, I got to have a bus. Where you at? I got to have a bus, Tony. Well, man, I don't, I don't have any buses. We got some new buses coming, but I ain't got time to get buses. He said, but I know you need it. I see what you need. He said, come get the bus. I'll rent a bus. How long has it been since you've invested in somebody else's vision? He didn't have to do that. 
too worried about protecting our little empire. God's not interested in our empires, men. God's interested in his kingdom. There's a passion of Christ represented in this building tonight. Come, 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 come. Don't you, if you got the passion of Christ in you, if you want it, come up here real quick. Come on. I'm closing. I know the button's to push and I could shout you all down. But it's time that we have conferences where people wind up on their face.